0: Welcome to Conversate, our podcast where we engage in conversation. On this week's episode, I, Aaron Gerke, and Kevin Bender are engaging in a conversation about Daniel chapter eight. This is straight biblical prophecy, visions of Daniel, apocalyptic literature, yet there's a lot of hope and practical wisdom even for us to gain. So enjoy this conversation that Kevin and I Really hope you enjoy it. Hey, Kevin. Hey, Aaron. How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm, How are you? I'm really good, actually. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, today, I, I put on uh, my Faith, Hope, and Love socks. Oh, nice. From, uh, shout out to Jim and Connie Peterson from our, our partner church in, in Autonoggin. Mm. So. These are like I, some of the three greatest things. Yeah. You got a favorite I, out of those three? I would say the greatest of these is love. I was gonna say something different but i shouldn't you know misquote the bible so what you have a bible matching, you have a matching pair of these socks don't you i do i do yeah um because jim I, and connie bought for both of us they did yeah you know you should have worn yours today
1: i should you know but we've been twinning it up so much aaron i didn't want to overload the people i had a feeling you're gonna wear them today so why don't I, you
0: be honest with our listeners kevin
1: I'm always honest (laughs) as I sit my honest coffee.
0: So what really happened today? All right. All right.
1: Cat's out of the bag. Uh, I told Aaron yesterday, I said, hey, man, we should totally wear our Faith, Hope, Love socks. Uh Uh-huh. It'd be awesome. We should match. We should twin it up more often. Yeah. I even wrote a little reminder thing on my Gmail. There's tasks you can do. One of my tasks was, hey, wear your out-notting socks. Yeah. uh Aunt Noggin, Jim and Connie, thank you for the socks. Yes. Woke up this morning, got all ready, uh, headed out the door halfway to church. Ah, forgot my socks. Man. Sure enough, Aaron walks in. I look down at his feet. He didn't forget. No? I said, well, hey, man, we're not doing this thing till later on. You're right. I can still grab them.
0: Yeah. So you went home.
1: I even edited the time yeah. stamp on my that task, yeah. put it for 1230. Yeah. I don't think I got on a vacation,
0: ah. so a
1: little side tangent on that. Had lunch, put Lily down for a nap, cleaned some dishes before I headed out. Got in the
0: car, drove halfway here. Yeah, forgot your socks. Forgot them, man. Well, now the people understand the truth, Kevin. Yeah. Hey, man, I, I feel set free. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you feel free, you are free indeed. Thanks, dude.
1: <laughs> so, what kind
0: of socks do you have on? Anything cool?
1: Uh, well, this is a fun fact. I can say it here safely because I know that. Well, I don't think she'll hear, but these are Molly's socks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Did you get dropped in the dark again today? I always do. I know.
1: <laughs> but uh, now she gave them to me, man. She said, I don't like these anymore. So I inherited like five or six pairs. I think they're pretty fresh.
0: What size feet do you have? Regular. <laughs> <laughs> All right, enough socks. All right, All right enough of this banter. Let's just get on Let's with get it, get right Kevin. down to brass tacks. One of the craziest chapters of the book of the Bible not really actually now that daniel daniel chapter eight um we've been you know working our way through the book of daniel and trying to do this chapter by chapter having some conversations here and seeing where it goes um i think i think this is a safe audience as well to to let people know it uh was it like two weeks before you preached on daniel eight or something you sent me a sent me a text Uh Yeah, one then, weekend you're like, dude, I don't know if I can preach on Daniel eight. <laughs> yep. I mean, full disclosure, this is this is what uh what we go through as preachers sometimes where you, you're mm. confronted with a text and you're like, holy what you, smokes, like what do we do with this thing? What does this even mean? Yeah, yeah. Um But you did a great job uh delivering that message, breaking it down, you handled it well. Um and 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 I, I think like one of the one of the things i think you you really emphasized in the sermon and maybe we can uh dwell on a little bit more here too is just the reality of prophecy and this is prophetic stuff so what daniel's vision was 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 really future oriented right Um, and then to see how history unfolds and a lot of prophecy is fulfilled Uh, obviously a lot of the vision stuff and if you want to take it like super at a granular granular level, mm-hmm. it's that that's a, that's pushing pushing the vision a little bit too far, and that you know if it, uh, you got to be careful be, about like how associating again, every detail right because symbolic language is symbolic right. right it's not literal right but there is meaning behind it mm-hmm. and some of the meaning we can understand and some of it may just be symbolic language you know and right so we. So it's a little hard, but, um, but yeah, I, I think you did. You spent a lot of time on that historical context piece, yeah. and demonstrating throughout history how this this prophecy from Daniel chapter eight was fulfilled. Now, personally, I was jotting down a lot of notes. I've never been, uh, I've never been a big note taker like during sermons and stuff. Mm-hmm. However, I did with this one, and it I was I was really a lot more engaged. So if you're listening. And you're thinking, hey, what did we learn in Daniel eight? Go back and listen to the sermon again, uh, and and jot down some notes. But I love, personally, I love history though. Mm, mm-hmm. So, um, so the fact that you were doing that, kind of, I was kind of geeking out about that. Anyways, I don't know. Yeah, well, I don't know about other people. But... Sure. Well, I mean, even
1: from my own experience, like I'm, I would not call myself a student of history. Yeah. Not at all. Uh, I never was really interested in the topic, like going through, you know. Uh, middle school grade school high school Okay. did not pay that much attention now later in life I started to realize wait a minute this is like you know these are the real events that led to the world as it is today Yeah, that's kind of a big deal Yeah. then all of a sudden I got really interested in like if someone shared some history with me you know if you learn new facts about this or that uh, you know piece of history I was always like whoa that's so cool I never really went out of my way to study much history mm. but when it comes my way I'm always like well, that's neat. Yeah. So when I got to prepare for this sermon, uh, which, by the way, like, you, you, I mean, you were telling me I did a nice job. It, you helped me get there uh. because the week before you gave us those four tips, yeah, yeah, yeah. which ended up being, I mean, in some ways it really helped guide. And that was the intention, I guess. It helped guide me in the sermon writing process yeah. because really you were just guiding me in how to read Scripture. Uh, yeah. So that worked out really good. <laughs> yeah. uh, thanks for that. But, um, but yeah, so I got to do, you know... um. Like a lot of this was new for me, yeah. before I got to share it with everyone. Um, uh, learning the historical context—I mean, I knew who Alexander the Great was, right. but I wouldn't have been able to tell you when he lived. Uh, I don't yeah. think I would have been able to tell you that he was a king of Greece. Uh, yeah, yeah. I just would just have thought, yeah, he was a short guy from uh, you know Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> great movie by the way.
0: Yeah, folks at home, if you haven't seen it, <laughs> you don't you don't have to watch it, but yeah. it's it's I, comical. I yes. I, I love that movie. I, it was it Napoleon the shark guy? Oh,
1: man. <laughs> so that's what I mean about not being a student of history. How tall was Alexander the Great?
0: I think he was taller than Napoleon. But Dang. I guess we would have to check the historical record. Oh, I got to I gotta read more
1: history and I got to watch that movie <laughs> a few more times.
0: Yes. Go for way, the movie. I, I like the movie. Yeah. yeah.
1: But, yeah, so, uh, yeah, the historical piece is interesting. And, and just to come back to what you said, too, about prophecy, like, I got to slow down and, and just... Resonate and, and kind of live on that for a second here because that's crazy. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how often we actively recognize that prophecy and the fulfillment of prophecy is not just stuff from like Lord of the Rings. Right. This. I think there's a reason why there's a lot of people who love Lord of the Rings and, you know, fantasy books and these, I mean, lots of novels have that piece into them, you know, these prophecies that are getting fulfilled and there's all this intrigue and mystery around it. I think that I think that excites people because it's there actually is that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Even with Jesus, right? There's so many prophecies about Jesus. I don't really think about that very often. Right. I just think, "Oh yeah, of course he fulfilled these prophecies, sure."
0: Right. But then there are a lot of people Uh, even people who would claim to be Christians who have a different take on the scriptures however Mm. um, and have a more more academic sort of approach towards the reading of the scriptures Mm -hmm. and would say things like well maybe prophecy can exist but like a lot of these details there's no way that Daniel would have actually known some of this stuff right Uh, because it's actually too, it's too accurate, so it was it was likely added later by somebody else. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, from from our tradition in in our Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, we don't read the Bible that way. We we take the Bible as authoritative, um, as it is. Yeah. We're not going to cherry pick it apart like that. We're going to believe that prophecy does exist, and yeah. That, that, it, that it is possible. Take
1: the text at its word.
0: Right. When it says, hey, it was in this year of this guy's reign. Sure. <laughs> right, right, right. So so I guess we just need to throw that out there, though, too, that there, mm-hmm. it, you're, you're going to run across some of this stuff. Like I, I think I said in at some point yep. uh, <laughs> that if you go in Wikipedia, the book of Daniel, yeah. it will it will say things like that. It'll say Daniel's a myth, but it's got all these tales and, mm-hmm. you know, seems like history, but it's really not. Like it'll it specifically says that so right um, so we gotta we gotta be obviously very careful because if once you start going down that line this is a whole other conversation but sure uh, if you if you can't if if you can't figure it out yourself that's a slippery slope as soon as you start saying well right. this part must have been added later because this is our we don't think it's possible that he could have known that therefore. All that kind of stuff. So right. yeah, basically,
1: if you start there, where do you stop? Right,
0: right. At some point, the whole integrity of the scriptures exactly becomes.
1: But but see, what's crazy to me about that is, well, two things. One, okay, fine, you say that about Daniel. Well, what do you do with all the stuff about Jesus?
0: Right. You know what I mean? Like, especially what... when Jesus is quote Jesus quotes Daniel, yeah, multiple times.
1: Yeah. Well, and I know, like, I think I think they'll say Daniel was written in like the second century, right? So they're saying it existed before him, but like. Yes, you're saying because Jesus quotes Daniel... That legitimizes Daniel. Yes, 100% with you on that. Also, what I was thinking was, you got all these other prophecies that Jesus fulfills, which we have historical record were written before Jesus showed up. Right. So if those prophecies are true, like why are you drawing the line, you know, uh, with Daniel? The other thing to me that's interesting is just, um, I don't remember if this came up in chapter 5 with the Belshazzar stuff. Um, I referred to Nabonidus, right? Yeah. Belshazzar's father, yeah, who was a king. There was a time when uh, we didn't have the, the Nabonidus cylinders. Oh, right. This is the historical artifact which tells us about Belshazzar. Uh-huh. Before that, no one knew about Belshazzar. Right. So before that, when people read that, they thought, oh, Daniel's a... Clearly he wasn't there, he's quoting some guy that wasn't even a king. Oh. They use that as a piece to 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 delegitimize Daniel. Oh.
0: And then you get this historical artifact that pops up and basically, you know A historical artifact that's not even a Jewish tradition. Correct? Right. It's a Babylonian Ex- tradition. Exactly. So it's from totally outside of outside of the scriptures, outside of Jewish tradition mm-hmm. that legitimizes <laughs> scripture <laughs> which is kind of just a little slap
1: in the face to you know like in my, in, in my reading of it it's kind of God you know chuckling up in heaven uh, yeah. at the folks who are thinking that they know better right. than the people who lived in that time right. I mean that's also to me the like ah, I don't I just don't get how like a lot of modern scholars can, can feel so um, kind of haughty and mm. proud or like just so um, assured of their opinion right. when they're talking a thousand plus years removed right that just seems a little bit you know right a little hubris there right so anyways right. thank yes. you for bringing that in though because yes you will encounter that that a lot of modern scholars will say that Daniel's from the second century all this stuff already happened and he's just creating yep. a little legend for the Jews now
0: yeah yeah so yeah if you do a, any quick Google search on the book of Daniel or prophetic literature and stuff you're you're going to get uh, a variety of opinions and different kind of traditions of how to read scripture. So ultimately, it's up to you <laughs> which tradition you think is most valid. Mm. Our tradition uh, says, "Let the scripture stand, and the scripture uh, will stand," mm. uh, as as we've as we've seen. Um, and I just think I think. A, that's an easier approach, um, and and B, it's a more faithful approach uh, and yeah. trusting trusting in God and, and what's been given to us and passed down throughout the generations. Totally, so, totally. Um, yeah, enough enough on yeah. enough on uh, the historical critical method of interpreting scripture. <laughs> um, but Daniel Aiden in, in in particular, would you say that would you say that Daniel received this vision from God? Um, to is is it to give hope Mm. to Jewish people to call them to account Uh, what do you what do you think is you know if in in your interpretation of this or uh, what do you think God is trying to do why is this recorded for us in the scriptures I would say twofold Um, two things
1: um, I would say for the for the folks that Daniel's writing to, so in his time and in his context, I think, yeah, I think it is for hope, which is a little odd that, you know, Daniel <laughs> comes out of it and, I mean, he's, like, sick to his stomach, you yeah. know, which makes sense because it's, like, this is heavy stuff that he's yeah. hearing. But always in these visions and, and in apocalyptic literature, so, like, Revelation, you read that book, too. Revelation doesn't sound too pretty, you know? Right. A lot of stuff there's, like, like people go crazy over this, and right. like you know, get very afraid. but the purpose of those uh, of these letters is to um to encourage and give hope to those who are gonna suffer under these uh, different regimes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I think Daniel is writing to the Jews uh, in one sense, well, I think God show me this. let me tell you because should I don't want to hold it in. Yeah. um but but I'm telling you, uh, and I think God is revealing it in part just to, to say, hey, look, look to me when this happens, okay? Like, yes, this there, there's going to be these troubles and these trials, and you're kind of in one right now. I mean, you're in Babylon, right? right? The 70 years isn't up yet. You're, you're under Belshazzar here, and, and things weren't all that great. Right. Probably worse under Belshazzar than, like, Nebuchadnezzar,
0: uh-huh.
1: um, since Nebuchadnezzar kind of, you know, turned a corner a little bit. Yeah, and Belshazzar undid all that right exactly yep. yeah and i mean if nebuchadnezzar was burning people in furnaces i feel like Belshazzar, are you know not great <laughs> yeah. you know not great so so i think yeah take hope take courage for those hearing it knowing that um like the 2300 uh mornings and evenings is is suggesting this power is limited mm. uh this human beastly power uh that you're suffering under um it doesn't have ultimate rule and reign you know, it's going to try and contest even with the Prince of Princes, mm-hmm. the uh, the angel says, but it won't. Right. You know, it won't win, right. and it will actually be, uh, you know, he'll be killed right. by no human hand. Um, and well, gosh, thinking of Belshazzar, yeah. You know, I mean, we talked about the horizons of prophecy, right? Yeah. And the angel is pretty specific in this one about who it's referring to. Right. But Belshazzar doesn't die by any human hand either. Right. Or, yeah. I, I don't. I mean, he dies that night when the there's the writing on the wall. I don't know if. Uh, because
0: the the people are there at that point. The Persians overthrown. Yeah, so, so maybe he was killed. Yeah, but yeah. but I mean, who was the one that you said wasn't killed by a human hand? Though that's well, that uh, was Antiochus. Antiochus, and also yeah.
1: Alexander the Great. Uh, yeah, uh, which is interesting. I mean, I don't really know if Alexander was as like um, sacrilegious as uh, Antiochus. But he, yeah. but he, I mean, Alexander the Great, I think was he was the whole he was a big pusher for the Hellenistic movement, right? Mm-hmm. Of like. Getting all the, the world to to kind of fall into this Greek. Um, Gods and Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he would, I don't think he was a Christian. No. <laughs> no, he wasn't. <laughs> so, but yeah, so I mean, it all goes to show, again, like we've heard so often in Daniel, but we need to hear over and over again is, look, there is a guy who reigns supreme. Yes. And look to him, and he will be the one that ultimately wins. Right. And just again and again. And I mean, Israel and Egypt under Pharaoh. Yeah. Pharaoh looks like the big hotshot. He's got all the power. Yeah. They suffer
0: under him. Four
1: hundred years. Four hundred years.
0: That's longer than the United States has been around.
1: That's crazy to think about. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And as as you're saying that, it's uh, ringing a bell in my mind from one of the things we said early on in the Book of Daniel, maybe even in the first week, and I think it was in this podcast where we, uh, where we, the 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 language, the original language of the Book of Daniel. Yeah. Shifted. So, the very first few verses of of Daniel, um, in Daniel Daniel one, I think it's chapter uh, two seven maybe. Is it two where it switches? No. It's when the. No, it is one. When the people, when the Chaldeans start speaking. No, two verse two. There we go. Yeah. Is the end of. Of the the Hebrew. Hebrew. Yep. Yeah, so in, in Daniel chapter 2, um, or it might be in verse 4. Yeah, in verse 4, it switches. So Daniel chapter 2, verse 4, the Chaldeans say to the king in Aramaic, it says it right here, uh, okay. O king, live forever. So Daniel chapter 2, verse 4, switches from Hebrew to Aramaic. And then in chapter 8, or er, yeah, um, it, all the way through chapter seven is Aramaic, and then chapter eight switches to Hebrew. Oh man, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. So um, you had plenty of stuff to say in Daniel <laughs> chapter eight, let alone that. But uh, so the, those first few chapters, all these, all the narrative stuff of Daniel is written in Aramaic, and what I was reading was that um, that's really to show all of the people in Babylon, Jews and. Uh, And Babylonians that the God of heaven the God Mm -hmm. most high is the one who rules and reigns just look see what he does you know he when you bow down and pray to him he rescues and he redeems his people and he is he is the one who sits in throne forever and ever and ever but then the these latter chapters of of the visions uh, starting in Daniel chapter 8 to the end are in Hebrew and that was more written in Hebrew so that the Jewish Uh, people could read it Mm. so that they could have hope during their time of persecution so uh, some of this it's the same sort of stuff like this apocalyptic literature sometimes people want to say it's sort of like code for people living in persecution so that they can understand what God's up to so that nobody else really understands Mm -hmm. but those who do understand you know, really receive hope from it. So, yeah. So Revelation was written, you know, by John uh, during a time of great persecution on Christian people. Mm-hmm. So John's using all that same kind of language. This stuff of all these worldly forces coming, but but Jesus is the one who, you know, rules and reigns. Same kind of message yep. as Daniel is giving to us. So, um, just a different kind of historical context, but the same. Would then be true for for us today? You're right on that on that final horizon that uh-huh. that there are earthly forces at play. That mm-hmm. there the, the just are, um, and at at different times it'll feel like we are living in um, Babylon. Totally, Right? totally. Well, and that's what. So yeah, like
1: I think. Um, that was kind of the second piece was so the first is Daniel's writing this for hope for the Jews yeah. but then there was this other verse I almost had it as a reading we uh, oh, okay. ended up going with Hebrews the whole uh, you know long ago uh-huh. they uh, people heard from our our fathers heard from the prophets but these last days spoken to us by son but almost read from first Peter uh, uh, verse 10 this is chapter 1, 1 Peter it says concerning this salvation the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully Inquiring what person or time, uh, the spirit of Christ in them was indicating, when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. So, like the people pre-Christ, they had these prophecies, right? Yeah. That they were digging into, wondering, because when you're when you're in the time when the prophecies are happening, they're not fulfilled yet, right? Mm-hmm. So you're 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 wondering what's going to happen. But then it says it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you. Mm in the things that have now been announced to you. And so yes, Daniel was writing to the Jews, you know, and I think that's Daniel's intention at the time. But then I think there is this other layer where God's intention for these texts for us is that well, he has us in mind too. Mm-hmm. And now we have historical documentation right. of his faithfulness.
0: Right. Right. And I think that's what that's what we learn from from the from the, the scriptures a lot of times is that we can count on we can count on God mm. because mm-hmm. we've got all this, we've got the historical context. So if Daniel's prophecy, if Daniel's writing and saying these things are going to happen and God will see you through, and now we're on the other side of Daniel, we can look back and say, well, God said to Daniel all these things would happen, and, then they, and they did, and God was faithful to all of that. What has God said to us? Mm. We can trust that God is faithful to his promises. To us, like because he just that's what the whole Bible, that's what the whole Bible is. It's promises that God made, promises He fulfilled, Mm -hmm. promises He's made to us that will be fulfilled. That's 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 the Bible, right? So,
1: and that got me thinking about just our own lives, right? Because even in my own life, like on the day to day, in the moment, okay, that's a little hard sometimes to know, like what is God doing? Yeah, what is He up to? Now, I want to like, you know, I'm trying to sense his movement. I'm trying to, you know, be in prayer, of course. Yeah. and it, But in the moment, you know, say you got like a uh, someone you love who's really sick. Mm-hmm. And you toss that prayer up to God. You don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Time's going to reveal it, but you don't know in that moment. But now if I look back on my life, if I look on the history of my own life, okay, now maybe can I start to see where God was? Mm. Right, playing out in my own history. Mm-hmm. Uh, for one, I still have both my eyes. That shouldn't be the case.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Is there a story there? No,
1: other than just like, do you know how many times you almost like poke your eye out with stuff as a kid?
0: Uh, it's yeah. crazy.
1: That was like the biggest defense for guardian angels that I've ever heard. And uh, I was like, that makes. I believe in guardian angels now.
0: My older brother. Yeah. If you look really close, he's got he's got a a, a black mark like on the inside. Like right on the bridge of his nose, but closer to his eye. Yeah. Um. It's it's graphite from a pencil. From I think he was in like second grade or something. He he was holding a pencil like up like this. Yeah. But with the lead part pointing up, and like threw his head down. He thought it was gonna. He thought the eraser was pointing up. But it was that. And it it just jammed him right right in the right in the, like, like it, it just missed missed going into his eyeball. You know. That's what I'm saying. That's crazy man. stuff. That's what I'm saying. Another time he. Was, This is, I didn't have any of these, just my brother. He was running through the woods one time, and there was a string of barbed wire, and he, like, got closed on with barbed wire. This is, sorry, it was gross, but he, like, barbed wire, like, hit him, like, in all these places. Yeah. But it was just on the cheeks and stuff and not, like... Any vital stuff for his neck. That's crazy. Yeah. Know. Well now, Anyways, I, now so that I think about it, like We could I, <laughs> now we go into all the stories, eye stories. Time, so we should've almost died. Yeah, yet.
1: well I had a when I was learning a snowboard, I had these goggles on, borrowed them from my parents. They're old ski goggles that they used for decades. I hit my I crashed a bazillion times trying to learn and I hit my head a ton of those times. And one of those times I shattered the ski goggles. Really? So the ski goggle fragments were all up in my face. I had cuts all over my face. Yeah. Not a single one on my eyeball.
0: Yeah.
1: And I'm so anyways (laughs) yeah but you know I mean in in bigger ways like I'm thinking about meeting Molly you know Mm. and being married to Molly like you know sometimes we think about love and it's like oh of course like we were destined to be like like, I know (laughs) there were specific well Molly's parents and my parents were both praying for us uh, from very young age that we would you know one day meet our spouse and we met each other and we got married seems like an answer to prayer you know um even just God's, you know, the kind of his thumbprint, um, or, or I don't know how to describe this. That's what a friend of mine said once about baptism. You know, it's kind of like God's, God's got his thumb on you. Okay. Or maybe he's got, you know, kind of like your collar a little bit. Because okay. there was lots of times in my life, too, where it's like, well, I wasn't exactly following Jesus, uh-huh. you know. And uh, there's cliffs you can fall off of in this life. Right. And I feel like I got to the edge of a lot of those. And there's kind of the, you know, he <laughs> did the whole cane thing. and. Yeah. And hooked me so so like I know this that's not prophecy but it did strike me as just like when you're in the midst of a prophecy like, like what this first Peter thing saying you're trying to figure it out and some people try and figure out revelation you know and it's like well we don't need to do that mm. and Jesus told us don't worry about it but when you look back on prophecy now it's like whoa I don't I mean my faith is just like bolstered in right. God's activity
0: absolutely yeah. absolutely I think that's that's ultimately uh, again, you know, uh, to to kind of rehash some of those those four points, but the fourth one in particular that 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 you know all Scripture converges on Christ uh, and is given direction by Him. That the 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 purpose of the Scriptures is not to drive us to a place of fear, but to a place of mm. hope. It, it ought to drive us to a place of repentance. Um, but we don't repent out of fear. Um, we don't repent out of like, um, uh, you know. I mean, we repent knowing what could. We repent because we know what what we deserve and mm. and but what we get instead. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. we repent because God loves us and we don't want what is opposite of what god designed us for hmm. so yeah. mm-hmm. so you know so so the scriptures lead us to a place of repentance turning away from sin not out of fear but but because god but because of god's great love for us because of who he created us to be so the scripture should always lead us to this place of repentance and then faith in jesus christ uh to trust in him for his love um and forgiveness in us so so I just I just say that because again, when it comes to the book of Daniel, when it comes to the book of Revelation, apocalyptic literature, uh, if if you you know do Google searches on this stuff or, or listen to other um, teachers that, and, and things, that there will be some that want to try to drive you to a place ah. of um, of fear. Mm-hmm. You even mentioned uh, like end times paranoia. Yeah, right. Um, that's not the point of the scriptures. The point of the scriptures is not for paranoia. It's not for um, trying to um, figure out the future. It's not to satisfy our curiosity about the future. It's to um, bring us to a place of hope and trust in Jesus Christ. Like that. That's it. So, so if you ever if you're ever sensing someone leading you to a place of fear about the future mm-hmm. or worry about the future or any of that kind of stuff, um, I wouldn't I wouldn't listen to those voices. And I think that's what that's what Jesus was warning us also uh in, in that gospel lesson from mm. um from Matthew twenty four. Yeah Matthew yeah. twenty four where where Jesus is saying like um you know if anyone says look here's the Christ or there he is is don't believe it for false Christs and false prophets this is Matthew chapter 24 uh, verses uh, 23 and 24 for false Christs and false prophets uh, will arise and they'll try to lead people astray even the elect right Just so, crazy so even yeah. even those of us who believe in Jesus um, Satan is trying to he's, he's working the hardest
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, in those who already believe in Jesus <laughs> And those who don't believe in Jesus, he doesn't have to work as hard in their lives. He's, he's working extra hard right? Um, in ours, trying to draw all kinds of confusion and stuff. So yeah. this is just, this is just like a perpetual um, reminder to you. Again, I'm going to say it again. The point of the scriptures is not to drive you to a place of paranoia, fear, anxiety, or worry. Uh, it's to drive you to a place of uh, repentance of from your own sin, from yourself. And a hope and trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone for mm. everlasting life. Yep. So, and that place generates then the fruits of the Holy Spirit, <laughs> yeah. which which are not fear and anxiety and worry. Those are the fruits of the devil. The fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self control. Did I get them all? You got them, man. So yeah. So yeah, just I, I I don't think we can stress that enough. And I, I yeah. I, I don't want to I don't want to speak poorly about other people or other other teachers I just it's uh, different kinds of teaching about these portions of Scripture are very prevalent mm. um, in our society totally and so yeah. so you if you haven't yet faced those other voices when it comes to reading apocalyptic literature uh, you likely will at some point so um, yeah, be aware of them. Yeah. Well,
1: and I think, yeah, like thinking of uh, some other ways that, that Scripture talks about, you know, how we should approach the world. Like the, the idea of being sober-minded or watchful, mm-hmm. you know, those uh, kind of pictures come to mind, which isn't fear or worry. Yeah. Uh, now, it's not; they're not necessarily like, well, like super happy, yeah. you know, like language, but... Um, but it's it's not about being worried but but there is i think something in in these prophecies and prophetic uh literature that um they give us kind of maps right Mm -hmm. like loosely give us maps to well to be watchful for when things do rise up and want to claim uh sovereignty Mm -hmm. you know so i don't really expect someone to come along like antiochus again and be just be like i am god and everyone's like Oh, yeah, I guess he is, you know. Uh, <laughs> like I don't think it's going to be that clear. Yeah. Right? But we should be attentive to um I mean, I think this is one of the reasons to to read the apocalyptic literature is to uh just just to have like a sense of, hey, God says like the world's going to start going this way, and it's yeah. going to be a big movement. Yeah. Right? Like like
0: Christianity is not going to be the popular
1: thing. <laughs> right. Not that but it I, is anyway, but
0: yeah. Uh and I I don't mean to stop you there, no, but please. but I also need need to remind us historically that it's it's also already been that way yes right so so sometimes I just say that because sometimes people will say things like it's getting worse than it's ever been before you know Mm -hmm. just look you know that's a very we have a I mean even those of you who are much older than uh, pastor Kevin or I Mm -hmm. your your lens into in, in, in the spectrum of the world history is pretty small yeah like if you lived as a Christian in the first century, um, oh. it, it would have been really bad. yeah, we could hardly
1: begin to imagine right. what it was like. Insane for the, for the Jews there in yeah. the second Either, century or whatever
0: or even in different parts of our world today. so yeah so, yes. like, so we just have to like take all this stuff in, in perspective. Yep, um, yep but but yet at the same time, acknowledge the fact that um, that <laughs> if you think it's bad, right now it might get worse yeah and if it does
1: guess who's still in charge yeah you know guess who's still got it right Right. yeah Yeah. and take courage from that yeah Yeah, yeah, totally
0: because I think you know I've I've heard it a lot lately too um, from from people in our in our culture strong Christian people who will say things to the fact of man it really it feels like you know our country is is changing Mm. or, or that sort of thing um and in some ways, well, in many ways, it, it is. Uh, and, and it may feel a bit more like we're in exile in Babylon. Now, none of us, I don't think, were picked up and taken captive out of where we are living and moving somewhere else. Mm. But in some ways, uh, it, it may feel like our culture, it, I don't know, uh, or the, uh, the, the culture is shifting and is, and is moving away from what you thought it once was. Yeah. And so you feel like you're living somewhere uh, foreign you know, even though you didn't pick up and move, the culture feels like it's shifted around you. Yep. So with that, you know, if it feels like you're living in Babylon or in an exile where you don't feel like your Christian worldview is the dominant worldview of the world in which you're living, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: well, then go and read some prophetic literature about uh people who lived in exile, which a lot of the old testament is is actually about it's about God's people living in places and in societies that um, where their worldview isn't the dominant worldview Mm -hmm. I mean we already talked about Egypt that was 400, 400 years in slavery Yep. Forty years in the wilderness. I mean, seventy years in exile. And even I when mean, they go it's back, like, it's not it's like not, it's
1: they don't they don't have kings, right? right? When they go back, they're yeah. still under occupation of other nations who are shoving them around. Philistines, Goliath, well, well, right? Yeah.
0: Sorry, sorry, we're kind of jumping all over here. In right. The timeline, biblical timeline, but yeah, but yeah. So the point is, exile is kind of the norm. Exile <laughs> is the norm. Yeah. Yeah, yep. and if so, you
1: want something easier for exiles, that's not apocalyptic literature. Is it Peter, who talks about? Yeah, it's one of these New Testament guys. He he calls them exiles. Huh?
0: I don't Living where, where they, they living right where they are. Yeah, okay.
1: yeah, and it, I, I I don't well never mind scratch that I don't remember where it is. <laughs> if I think of it, I'll say it.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. or
1: not, yeah. or not. What was that? I just licked my finger. Why? Because I was going to turn the page and see if it was Second Peter. Oh. But then I decided I wasn't going to, but now it just said <laughs> it. So now you just licked your finger. Dude, it is First Peter. It's right here.
0: It's uh, right in front of you the whole
1: time. Those who are elect exiles of the dispersion. Yeah, so these the like, elect exiles. The elect exiles. Pretty yeah. cool. So, but yeah, so First Peter talks uh, a decent amount about what it's like living as a, an exile. Right, somewhere where yeah, your Christian faith is
0: not the not the norm. Right, yeah. right, and and honestly, that's been the norm for. So <laughs> even since, uh, and more often for God's people, it's been the norm to live in a society where mm. uh, where your where your faith is not the cultural norm. So I it's w- been more historically accurate <laughs> to say that. Being a Christian in a non-Christian culture uh-huh. is the norm. I wonder if that's you know. part
1: of God's like strategy. Everything about that? Yeah, because like these guys here in Babylon, he's like in Jeremiah, right? Hey, seek the welfare of the city. Right. Get jobs. Yeah. Be Nebuchadnezzar's advisor. I mean, these guys are like elite yep. players, so yeah. they're they're influencing the society, in
0: right. a Pretty big way. Right. And uh, the one. Interesting- what other what other way would there be to influence? Right. those who don't know Jesus then to be around those who don't know Jesus. So yeah. if we just live in our, in our little, own little cluster mm-hmm. and let the world go and do its own thing, like we're, never gonna, we're never going to influence it. That doesn't it.
1: seem aligned missionally with God's plan. I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. so. yeah, so there's something to that as well. I think so. Yeah, I guess uh, maybe in crisis or in chaos uh, or in the uncomfortable, maybe it,
0: there's opportunity. I would say that there that there is, and I think that's I think that's what we're learning from Daniel, yeah, um, and some other some others that you could obviously turn to, um, you know, Esther. I mean, she she makes great influence. Um, uh, Joseph, I Moses. I mean, so Paul there's, in the New Testament in yeah, Acts, right? Yeah. So there's lots of characters in the scriptures who get involved in. Um, worldly affairs to in by god's grand design in order to influence the world for his his purposes so Mm. yeah so don't be reclusive right don't be reclusive christians get out there meet some people get involved uh and and let god's uh let let god work through you in those places so yeah you've got something to share yeah you got jesus amen amen uh kevin I appreciate the way that you handled Daniel chapter 8 and we're gonna keep pressing on Uh, we've got three more weeks I think in Daniel that's right four chapters three weeks yeah yeah so we're gonna we're gonna do this thing Uh, Daniel chapter 9 is a little bit of a little bit of a shift um, from from eight Um, so looking forward to bringing that word to all of you but for now uh, kind of the same thing that we say each time. You know, if there was something that stood out to you today, uh, some little nugget, something that was helpful or hopeful, just put that into, not into your only into your own mind, but onto your lips and go and share it with somebody else. Uh, engage in a conversation, start a conversation with somebody about something that you heard here. Because what we want to model to you is uh, how to, engage in spiritual, scriptural conversations. So uh, you don't have to have the same sort of depth of conversation with somebody else, but just take something and then turn it into a conversation. So uh, if you have questions about apocalyptic literature, hopefully you know how to find us. And uh, we would love to engage in conversation with you as well. But for now, have a blessed rest of your day. We really hope you enjoyed our time together. Thanks, Kevin. Peace, dudes. All right. (laughs) And do that. (laughs) Bye.